Welcome to the Wake Park Church Weekly Conversations Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. We do everything we do because we believe life with Jesus is better. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and other groups and ministries on various days of the week. You can learn more by going to waitparkchurch.org. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at waitparkchurch.org. And now, on with today's episode. Welcome to the Wait Park Church Weekly Conversations podcast. This is Holy Week edition, which comes around only once a year because, of course, Holy Week is only once a year. And uh, today we have Brenna and Abby and Holly with us, the podcast crew. And I tried to do a little different introduction because I always feel like it's a little awkward when we try to introduce you. So I'll just ask you all together, how's everybody doing today? Good. It is cold today compared to that it beautiful is. 70 degree Monday that we had. Mm. And super windy. Yeah. Super, super windy. But the sunshine is deceiving. It is. It yeah. looks like it'll be warm. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a tease the other day. And mm. then then it dropped down. I think it's better than it was yesterday, though. The sun is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say better. I mean, it's no? slightly different. It's not that much better. I don't know. I just, I really, I really love those 70 degree days that when we go back to something much colder, it's just mm-hmm. need to work on my contentment. Not going to be sitting out on the patio reading a book or anything? No. 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 Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of bits of news. Uh, the first one, I ordered a pizza oven. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I was, uh, I was kind of looking through on the internet for them. The other day, because, you know, I talked about I talked about these stimulus uh, things. And so we kind of decided what we're going to do with ours and gave a a significant amount away. But not all of it. We use some of it to make a pizza oven, which hopefully I can bless other people with, too. And Mm -hmm. also myself and my family. So I was going to say that hopefully this means pizza parties over the summer Mm -hmm. on that nice little like. Mm-hmm. patio air, terrace era that you guys have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the great things about like a dedicated pizza oven is they get really hot. Mm-hmm. When like the kind of pizza that I make is called uh Neapolitan and mm-hmm. and um you ideally you want to cook it at like 850 or 900 degrees. Wow. <laughs> and our oven only goes up to 500. And yeah. it does, you know, okay. that's fine. It makes fine pizza. But the longer you have pizza in the oven, the more it dries out. And okay. um, and so this, and, and you know, like if you've been to one where I've had a lot of people over for a pizza uh-huh. party, it's it takes a while, right? Because you cook it at about mm-hmm. nine minutes per pizza. And so then they come out one at a time. Well, this thing, they say, will cook a pizza in a minute. Whoa. So I'm a little skeptical about that. But even Mm -hmm. if it were two minutes, you know, you could Mm -hmm. kick a lot of pizzas out if you're throwing them in there at at two minutes each. So, well, and then you would get to do something more than just cook pizzas the whole time. Like you could actually Mm -hmm. enjoy it with the people rather than Mm -hmm. like spending all your time in the kitchen. That's Mm -hmm. assuming that I want to spend time with people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming that if you were having people like us over for your pizza party, that it wasn't for the purposes of avoiding us. I just want to show off my pizza making skills. I don't really want to interact with anyone. (laughs) No. How long do you have to let a 900 degree pizza cool before it doesn't burn your mouth? Oh, that's a good question. I'm Mm. I'm not sure. This is why we need the pizza party so that we can test this out. Right. Right. We'll put it. We'll put a timer out there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll make that uh, we'll see you know some people will have to volunteer to burn their mouths because we'll have some <laughs> people eat it right away and some people mm-hmm. wait 15 yeah. seconds and some people wait 30 seconds mm-hmm. and uh, and then we can get a get a scientific uh, answer to that question Great. so that sounds good <laughs> um, yeah so that'll that'll be cool although it uh, there apparently the demand for pizza ovens is great right now and so it's mm-hmm. going to be like 6 to 8 weeks which mm-hmm. gets us to almost june before i even get to try it out so it's maybe uh, in time for your birthday yeah birthday maybe present? yeah it should mm-hmm. if it's not in time for my birthday present something is, or something is really wrong cuz my birthday <laughs> is at the end of june so maybe mateo's birthday so, because his is on, I think, June 
sixth, if I remember right. Okay. So that's cool. Nice. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, my other bit of news is even more exciting. I'm actually doing a self-quarantine today because I found out that last week I was actually exposed to someone who has now tested positive and is symptomatic. Um, so I went to CVS and did a self-COVID test. How, how, have you guys done the self-COVID test or have you had it? You've had a COVID test, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think was it the, have. was it the, I, this is going to be gross, right? The, <laughs> but there's no way to avoid it. Right. Did you do the spit test or did you stick the Q-tip up your nose? Q-tip. I've done, I've done both. Both? I did the spit test. It was okay. pretty gross, but less invasive. The spit test yeah. took a shockingly amount, like a shockingly large amount of spit. Like I felt like I really had to work at it, especially because yeah. like when the one that I took said you couldn't eat or drink anything for the 30 minutes before mm-hmm. you took the test. Oh. So like, my mouth is dry. How am I going to fill up this whole entire tube with saliva? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Q-tip one wasn't too bad. I mean, yeah, it, it's not fun, but it's not too bad. So I did it. I did it at the drive through at CVS. Like okay. they don't want you to come in. Like if, like if you might have it, they oh, don't really want you to come right. in to CVS. So you go to the drive-through and they give you this mm-hmm. kit with the Q-tip and the vial and and all of that, and then have you just sit in the car there and do it, and then seal it all mm-hmm. up and and put it in the box. And so I was kind of nervous mm-hmm. about that. Actually, kind of anxious because I heard like you have to like, you know tickle your brain to take them and it really <laughs> wasn't it really wasn't that wasn't that bad um no. yeah. but it st- was still kind of weird i'm pretty sure i've never stuck anything that far up my nose though <laughs> so anyway well this is i i don't know this may be this may be the worst conversation that we've ever had on here isn't it or the grossest <laughs> conversation no i don't know do you have something in mind Abby? No, I just feel like there have been things that have gotten weird on here before. <laughs> and I honestly, I think true. having worked with kids at boogers and spit is not really the worst that I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's I suppose that's true. Brenna still has little kids at home too, so Yeah, we were coloring today and Abraham was making poop emojis. So, you know, it's <laughs> great. Yeah. One bodily substance is just like another. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they are all the same. <laughs> yeah. Is that true in the Old Testament law that they are all the same? I don't know. <laughs> see, now see now this is going to go down a road that we don't want to go down. Right? That was a segue right there. I see uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll stay away from that one. Uh, so here's the hardest thing is quarantining as a pastor during a pandemic during Holy Week. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're on Wednesday. And now for the next four days... We have Holy Week events. Tomorrow night, we have Monday, Thursday communion, Good Friday service, Easter egg hunt, and then Easter service. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get to do any of it. Um, It's all kind of up in the air. If I get a negative test back, I guess I can. If I get a positive test back, then... Uh, one of you is going to have to preach on Sunday, I think. So, <laughs> well, Corey Hall and I were talking about in the mm-hmm. office this morning just the irony of like last Easter, you got mm-hmm. to be in the sanctuary doing Easter mm-hmm. service, and everyone else had to be at home. And right. if you That's happen true. to be positive this Easter service, it'll mm-hmm. be flipped. Everyone yeah. else will be back, and you will have mm-hmm. to be at home. And that'll mm-hmm. be. And so then, by the time next year rolls around, it'll be three years by the time I've gotten to oh. celebrate Easter in person with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, rough. It's okay. Rough. We've been having we've been having lots of prayer <laughs> meetings in the office this morning, individually and corporately over the whole thing. <laughs> well, I I think it's going to be fine. You know, we have to do yeah. our due diligence. We have to right. make sure that we're following procedure, but. Uh, nobody else where I was is symptomatic yet, and it was a week ago. Um, so we'll see. I what I think is is this person was exposed after uh, the event that we were at, but you know we'll see. You never know. Um, in the meantime, uh, let's talk about Easter egg hunt because that sounds kind of exciting mm-hmm. right now. Abby, you said you're mm-hmm, excited and a little bit anxious about it. So tell me about mm-hmm. that. Well. You know, we have a lot of people from our church who have already volunteered to help in some of the prep work. And there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of people that have volunteered to serve on the day of the event. 
I think mm-hmm. between like prep work and day of, we have 30-ish people who mm-hmm. have been helping us out. Um, we've got 36 neighbors that are signed up to host yard signs, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, almost 100 pounds of candy donated. This past Sunday, we stuffed 800 grab-and-go activity get- kits and 300 treat bags to get ready for all these mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm excited, but Holly keeps giving me updates on the numbers of people mm-hmm. who registered. And <laughs> yep. I think we're up, what is it, over 170 tickets Sold. Yeah, so we're at 168, and I just got an email as we've been having this conversation. So of course. somebody else. So we got at least we're at 170 right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember because we did I think do a pre-registration when we did it in the park the last time we were able to do it a couple years ago, yep. and I think we had 300 some kids, you know, plus parents mm-hmm. and grandparents and all that you know, at, up at up at Waite Park, and it was yeah. yep. it was so cool. It was like a well, huge really neighborhood cool. event. And yeah. now we're like taking the whole neighborhood, not just the park, um, yeah, which will be which will be really cool. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, yeah. people when they when they turn in their pictures aren't all doing it at the same time. <laughs> well, we've got we've got some plans for how we're going to keep people socially distanced while they're waiting in line and kind of facilitating mm-hmm. things. Lots of chalk marks on the ground, like people are used to, and masking and mm-hmm. hand sanitizer. I think if we can keep things moving the way we have it planned, we should be able to get people in and out of that prize hub pretty quickly so that they can enjoy their time, but also not turn it into a super spreader event. Yeah. I looked, mm-hmm. I was telling you, um, Corey and Holly yesterday, I found like a Google Maps feature where I can plot out all of the different places where we have signs in the mm-hmm. neighborhood both ones that like people have signed up to host and ones that like we're placing out there just in more public areas. And um, I think we have one on every single street in the neighborhood, except for one. There's one over by Stinson that I think we're missing. But other than that, we have representation on every street in the neighborhood. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One awesome. by Stinson or on Stinson? Maybe, Not on Stinson. maybe I know it's, someone. I, oh. Well, <laughs> see, now, now I'm going to have to pull up my map and figure out which <laughs> one it is so that I can tell you for sure. We could probably do it some other time, too. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. do that another time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're working on those details and not me. Because I'm Lots sure if, if I was mm-hmm. working on those details, we'd already have unhappy people. So <laughs> <laughs> probably most of them volunteers. So Well, we had, we had some happy volunteers on Sunday morning. It, that was really mm-hmm. cool, stuffing all of those mm-hmm. treat bags and activity kits because we yeah. had – not only a bunch of people there, but a bunch of different generations of people represented. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to see, you know, kids and young adults and older adults all working together and stuffing prize bags and having fun conversations. And even seeing, I was telling Brenna, her two girls, <laughs> <laughs> Lily and Rosie, they took the, like, they were stuffing all the peanut free treat bags. And I told it, like I told them how it worked. They had their instructions, they got going. And by the time I circled back around, they had restructured the whole area so that it was more conducive mm-hmm. to how they wanted to stuff the bags. And they had reasons for it. You know, we don't want this to get mm-hmm. crushed. So we did X, Y, or mm-hmm. Z. I'm like, sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it. So do you, awesome. do you want to talk about any of those conversations that you were able to have? Well, <laughs> well I, I didn't have them. But my husband had just the joy of <laughs> a conversation with Rosie. They were working at the same table. And Rosie's in what, third grade, Brenna? Yep. Okay, she's in third grade. So Rosie's standing next to Andrew while they're filling activity kits, and Rosie looks up at Andrew and goes, so what sins have you done? (laughs) (laughs) And Andrew has gone completely off guard. I mean, not a question that we ask often in the church. However, I love the honesty of that. (laughs) We we should be, like, lifting the weight Mm -hmm. of shame so that we can talk freely about those things. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, he was able to admit to lying in the past before Rosie took Mm -hmm. over and began to talk about her own experiences lying. (laughs) So he was scared of doing more of that. But (laughs) yes. There was um, a good conversation I, at your table too, Corey, because you guys were stuffing the one, um, the Easter egg catapult. Yeah. And you were talking about like the physics behind it. And John yeah. Koloff was also at your table. So like mm-hmm. having John kind of help explain the physics behind mm-hmm. this catapult thing. There were lots that's of good right. conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. about physics and sin. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it would be even more more interesting talking about the metaphysics of catapults. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was also told, so the kids at Kids Park um, during service 
did like basically a God you are through the alphabet. And okay. the last one is God you are in the zone. And I also heard that was a rosy <laughs> suggestion, which I think is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. God is in the zone. In yeah, they the had zone. to come up with a word for every letter of the alphabet, like describing who God was. And it was actually like, okay, so we did have like God is in the zone. Like there were some kind of mm-hmm. funny ones, but... They also came up with some good ones that started a bunch of conversations. Like Jessica, for the letter O, she said opening. It's like, okay, so tell me more what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, you know, like God through Jesus opened the way for us to be in relationship with him and he nice. opens our hearts. Like she had really good reasons behind her choice. Mm-hmm. And then another kid, when we were doing the letter J, said God is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So then we got to talk about the Trinity and we had, yeah. we had some good conversations in Kids Park. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We should. Well, do- Rosie had a blast on Sunday that she was just able to. <laughs> she had a whole just like captive audience of people at this table that had to listen to her sing and tell her about their sins. And uh-huh. it sounds like yeah. maybe her in the zone comment was not mm-hmm. exactly a suggestion, but more of a command. I don't know. <laughs> did she? So did she keep? Did she keep people people's confidence when uh, they confessed their sins to her, or did did they? Know. Do you know every? No. Do you know everybody's sins now? It was Brenna? it was group share time. Was absolutely, it? <laughs> yeah. And then Rosie started talking about like stealing money from me, and I'm like, what? And she's like, you know about that? I'm like, no, I don't. I, and it just kind of went from there. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good. You know, tomorrow night um, we're doing Monday Thursday communion, and it's going to be re- mm-hmm. a, a reflection on the prayer of confession that we do and kind mm-hmm. of an absolution mm-hmm. of sins. So uh, when people when people confess, uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and so that'll be that'll be cool. Um, Rosie will be hopefully- leading that station. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell Andrew he's got Corey's got him covered. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, okay. So let's get into the topic for today. It is Holy Week, and I've been working on the sermon, and so you guys kind of get to help me craft an Easter sermon here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking at First Corinthians chapter 15. And there are different ways that you can preach an Easter sermon. You can go through the Easter service, or, uh, the Easter uh, story, and mm-hmm. you know just kind of explain it and preach your way through it, and what's the meaning of it from the various points of the the uh, gospel writers. Uh, you can do an apologetics kind of thing, like you know here's a proof of the resurrection kind of thing, you know, which I've done before. Or you can get into some more of the theology of it. And if you're going to go into the theology of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is really a great place to do that from uh, because the Apostle Paul says some really important things about the resurrection. Now, of course, Holy Week is about the whole thing. It's about uh, arrest, uh, crucifixion, and resurrection. But Easter focuses on the resurrection. And I think sometimes um, in the church, at least maybe in the Protestant church, I don't know if this has been your experience or not, but we focus a lot on the cross um, and we talk about the resurrection, but the resurrection is actually just as important and has just as many implications for how we live our lives today. I don't know. Has that kind of been the way you thought about it? Seems like we have a lot of songs about the cross, um, maybe not as many songs about resurrection. I think I, I heard about the resurrection. Like, I remember conversation about that often. Mm-hmm. What I remember less is people talking about, like, what implications the resurrection has beyond mm-hmm. just you get to go to heaven someday. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely – it was part of, you know, the whole story. But, again, I don't know that I had really thought about um, the implications for my day-to-day life other than being able to, like, walk – walk in the, with, yeah, walk with the Holy Spirit, you know, so mm-hmm. like having him abide in us and that being kind of part of what seals that. Yeah. But I think beyond that, I hadn't thought I think, about I think I had a, I, I think I had a lot of teaching growing up about like the atonement and mm-hmm. the cross and what it did, forgiveness of sins, all of that. And of course the resurrection was always part of it, but I don't know that I ever really had 
a great the- theology of the resurrection, um, other than maybe Jesus conquered death and that proves that he is who he says he was. But I'm not sure that that was necessarily even clear to me when I was growing up. I, d- I don't think I really had a very well-developed um, theology of why the resurrection matters. Mm-hmm. I think in the Pentecostal church where I came from, it that verse, you know, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us mm-hmm. um, yeah. is like huge so the idea that like not only does jesus have the power over death but that that's what the holy spirit is Mm. in us and um you know in a a lot of my upbringing it it geared and, and veered off towards name it and claim it a lot of times but i think that um at least in in that wing of hmm protestantism we definitely talked probably more about that than about necessarily even the cross i mean the cross was was um our sins are forgiven but like now what do we do Mm -hmm. with that yeah yeah i think probably you know and i grew up in the wesleyan church which is a holiness denomination and and i don't think this is I don't think this is inevitable um, in a holiness denomination, but I think for for a lot of the years that I was growing up, it became that way that even though we were a holiness denomination, we tended to focus a lot on sin, um, what maybe what Dallas Willard would call a gospel of sin management. And um, and so, you know, we had a, had a lot of guilt and uh, sorrow for our sins and, and not necessarily a lot of... Um, great understanding of grace and what it means to be forgiven and to live free mm. um, yeah. and all of that. And uh, and I think that's something that, that certainly I think I've recovered. And I think um, I'm glad that our tradition, I think, is starting to recover as well. I think, you know, every tradition probably ebbs and flows and, and goes to various extremes back and forth. And, and probably all of them live in a tension somewhere between those two extremes. And it's a lot of times hard to hold that that tension there, you know, which is why we, we go to those extremes. So, well, let's, let's focus a little bit more on the resurrection today. And so I want to kind of walk through first Corinthians chapter 15 a little bit. Now the book of first Corinthians itself is an example of a very messed up church. Paul, Paul is writing a letter to a church that probably none of us would want to be a part of, I think. <laughs> um, and, you know, just some of the issues that were going on, there were factions in the church. Uh, some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Peter, some say I follow Apollos and all of that. Uh, there, were, there was a guy that was sleeping with his stepmom, apparently, and everybody was proud of this because he was liberated. Uh, Christians suing each other, church members visiting prostitutes, people people getting drunk during communion. I mean, this was this is stuff that, man, if you think your church is bad, uh, if you want to feel better about your church, you know, just read through 1 Corinthians sometime and you'll feel really good about what's happening in, in your church, I think. <laughs> and so uh, so when we get to when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we kind of have to keep that in mind uh, because it is pertinent to to what's what he the argument that he's making in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And so how he starts it off is, as he talks about the gospel, he says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold, hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now, actually, commentators believe that what he's going to say here, what, how he sort of articulates the gospel in a very... Um, in a very uh, short form, is is actually like an earlier Christian creed that that he's basically repeating a creed. So this is not something that he wrote necessarily, but something that had been written within one to three years of of Jesus, and uh, and then. He's saying that this is the gospel that you guys have believed. Um, And this is what he says. 
uh, verse 3, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Um, and, and that's the creed that, that he's saying that they heard. So basically, he, what Paul is saying there is, is this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's it. Like that's that's his summary of the gospel, um, and then he goes on, and and this isn't the gospel, but this is sort of um, a uh, like a, a proof of of the gospel to them. Um, in uh, in verse uh, five, he says, and that he appeared to Cephas, who, uh, who is uh, Peter, uh, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. In other words, you can check it out for yourself. There's five hundred people that can attest to this, so check it out for yourself. Um, though there are some who have fallen asleep. Um, some who have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one norm, uh, abnormally born. And actually, I read one commentator that said when he uses that word abnormally born, it's actually referring to an aborted fetus, um, which is kind of an interesting thing when you mm. think about it. He's he's mm -hmm. basically saying, I am I'm I'm the aborted fetus of the apostles. You know, and of course, how how Paul saw Jesus was different um, than all the other apostles did, um, and so you know, and and so he says, well, I'm not sure. In in fact, in verse nine, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't think I even mm -hmm. deserve to be called an apostle. Uh, part of it was because he wasn't from the beginning, um, mm -hmm. but second, because he persecuted the church of God. So he, you know, there's mm -hmm. some he's he's ashamed of that, and he says, mm -hmm. you know, listen, I don't deserve to be called an apostle you know, because of the things that I've done. And yet, because of the grace of, of God, because of Jesus's grace, then, um, you know, I, I've i been called, I've been chosen to, to be an apostle. Okay. So in other words, this is the gospel. Tons of people have seen Jesus. And what's important, and we'll see this a little bit in, in 1 Corinthians 15, is that tons of people saw Jesus in the body. And that's something that's really important in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> because he says, we preach that Christ has been raised, okay? Not just crucified, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so then he goes on um, in verse 12, and he says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, now, that, of course, implies that there are people who are in the church who are saying resurrection is impossible, right? Uh, they're not necessarily, they're not starting out by saying that about Jesus. Well, I don't believe Jesus was resurrected. What they're doing is, is they're saying, no, bodily resurrection, it, there's no such thing. It's impossible, right? And which is interesting because oftentimes we think that people in, in Paul's day or in Jesus' day were naive, like that like they believed that people were just being raised from the dead left and right and and you know that you know we tend to think well they were gullible and um <clears throat> and 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 of course you know they would believe in that kind of thing because everybody believed in it and yet here we have people in the church who are purporting to be Christians at least who are saying yeah we don't believe in resurrection we don't we don't believe that it can happen now there are people today I know it's hard to believe that, that there are people today who don't believe in resurrection. Now, why why is it that people today don't believe in resurrection? Not everybody, but but some but people who don't believe in resurrection. What's their what's their reasoning for it? Well, we're in, we're enlightenment people. We hmm. we like facts and reason and things that can be proven. And someone being resurrected doesn't fit really neatly into those categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, um, I think you might be able to say something like, you know, people today would say, well, in the past, people people were naive and they believed in myths and legends and the supernatural. But now we have science and we know from science that people don't come back to life. Now, of course, that's kind of a misunderstanding of what 
Paul is saying there or what the message of the gospel is. The message of the gospel isn't that, hey, people come back to life all the time. The message of the gospel is, is Jesus came back to life and that it was a, that it was a special event. Um, and it's a foreshadowing of things to come that, that haven't happened in the past, but now will you know happen in the future. So the, the Corinthians would have actually had a different reason for not believing in resurrection. Now, the Corinthians were actually really influenced by Greek thought. And we've talked about this before. Uh, Plato believed that in, in this thing called dualism, that the spirit is good and matter and you know physical matter is bad, right? And so, uh, so people in Corinth would probably reason something like this. They would say, in the past, people were naive and they believed in myths and legends, but today we have philosophy. And that tells us that the physical body is evil. And so Jesus couldn't have had a resurrected body. You know, if Jesus really was of God, then he couldn't have had a resurrected body because bodies are evil. And so he must have just been spirit. So what they were arguing was not necessarily that there is no afterlife, but what they were arguing was that the afterlife is purely spiritual. Okay. In other words, that Jesus's body was not a physical body that you know, if people saw him, that it was just this ghost floating around or something like that, because they would have believed because God would not raise, you know, physical evil matter, um, then, uh, then, you know, Jesus couldn't, couldn't have been raised. Um, so I guess my question is, what difference does that make? What difference does it make whether Jesus was raised bodily or whether he was raised as a spirit? raised, I guess, would be kind of a loose word. I mean, I think it, it impacts how his ability to, like, overcome our sin. So, again, that that him coming to life is is what proves his power and helps to, like, yeah, in his payment for, for our sin. So. Hmm. I think if you're believing that all people, like, if the afterlife, if the afterlife is all spirits and everybody gets to go there, right? Like he, obviously he was dead. So now this is a ghost that you saw and that could be anybody. Then Jesus is a martyr, right? He's not mm -hmm. the Messiah. And mm -hmm. so like you had so many, you know, people that came as false messiahs or came as prophets and were killed by, um, the religious establishment or the Romans or whatever mm -hmm. power they butted up against. Right. And like, you see that moment in the disciples when they're locked in the room after he's gone, they're like, what did we just do for mm -hmm. three years? What have we been following? We thought this was a thing and now he's gone. And if he doesn't come back, like we see Peter and the disciples fishing, right? Mm -hmm. If he yeah. doesn't come back, they go back to their old life. If Jesus doesn't raise and he doesn't appear to Paul, we see him wiping out Christianity, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it becomes this little cult that probably ends right where it began in Galilee. And, and you know, possibly you've got it's it's in Christ's resurrection. It's in him defeating death and coming back that all of the sudden everything that he has done and said is true and mm -hmm. it's more powerful than the forces that killed him. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think too, like part of part of the curse that we see in Genesis three is that like we will face bodily death. As a result, like death becomes part mm -hmm. of our reality as a result of the fall. And if Jesus wasn't bodily raised, it's almost like he pays the price for our sins and kind of gives us like an out mm -hmm. from the curse. Like, yeah, you might face this bodily death, but like your spirit gets to go to heaven. But if he's bodily raised, that's not just an out from a curse. It's a total breaking of the curse mm -hmm. and it's saying a reversal, this yeah. Exactly. Like this no longer holds any power. This thing that has become a reality as a result of sin is no longer a reality. Not mm. only are you forgiven of sin, but there is like this curse has been reversed, like you just said. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What I find interesting about this, and I don't know, I guess you guys can tell me this, when you were growing up, was it your understanding that the afterlife was disembodied heaven? I mean, so in the Catholic Church, we talked about purgatory. So like that, mm-hmm. that was basically kind of what, you know, there was purgatory and then, yeah. So it was all of kind of some of that. Mm-hmm. So did you, when you thought about that, did you think about it as a spiritual existence? Like your, it's your soul spiritual. that survives. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's definitely spiritual, your soul. It, yeah. That your body stays here and, you know, decomposes and right. yeah, the rest, your soul is what survives. Yeah. I mean, I think I was taught about like a new body, you know, mm-hmm. when we're given, we're given new bodies in heaven. And, and I think... I mean, that was always that was always one of those places where I would ask questions that pastors couldn't answer. Like, I would be like, so if we get new bodies, then how come Jesus still had his scars in his mm. hands and feet? And if we get new bodies, then how come he could just appear in a locked room? Do mm. our new bodies like are they real bodies? Are they you know, and it would just go in circles and yeah. they'd be like, stop talking. Jesus loves you. It's done. Go away, child. <laughs> There's some candy in the office. Just go. What's, what sins have you done? What sins have you done? I think I, I don't know that anyone explicitly told me that it was a disembodied eternity. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that that was made clear. But in retrospect, I have seen in like my growing up years and the teaching that I got that it was um, – it was almost Gnostic in terms of, like, the body doesn't matter. Like, it's just a shell. It's going to disappear. Like, the body doesn't matter. And, in fact, you can even, like, treat your body negatively. Like, the body is almost something to be punished while it's here. Mm-hmm. I, and it gets to some of what you were talking about, about, like, the body being yeah. evil, even though that wasn't some – no one told me, like, your body is evil. Right. Um, but just in some of the ways that what, that, that was – talked about that's kind of what i began to pick up mm-hmm. and that's even conversation i think some of that is healthy like my physical body is not the entirety of me mm-hmm. but i think what i've come to grow in an appreciation of especially over the past several years is that like my body is not the entirety of who i am but it is an integral part of who mm-hmm. i am like my body has been created by God for good purposes. And it's not just the casing that holds my soul while I'm here on earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just incidental to who you are. It's actually important. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think this is the, this is the case that, that Paul is making. And, you know, we talked about what's going on in the Corinthian church. This philosophy that they had was actually played into why they were living the lives that they were. Okay. So, so Mm -hmm. stick with me here. Remember we talked about the, we talked about the tensions that we hold, right? So if what Paul is saying is, is your body matters, uh, because resurrection, um, then what it does is it, that sort of combats these two extremes. One of them is asceticism. Um, asceticism means like harsh treatment of the body. It means denying all pleasure. And so some people would say, and and you can see this, Paul arguing against this in other places in the New Testament. There are some people who would say no sex. You know, even if you're married, no sex because it, your body is evil, and if you're you're just going to start to give in to bodily desires, and so it's bad, and so just deny anything good. Don't have sex. You know, eat just plain food. Don't try to have any pleasure in life. Um, and and somehow, you know, pain or denying ourselves is more spiritual than enjoying some pleasure. Now, of course, there's a there's a, a kernel of truth in that. You know, we don't we don't want to like totally give into pleasure and make that our, our existence. Uh, but at the same time, there's nothing inherently good about, um, about pain or suffering or anything like that. So there's nothing more spiritual about suffering in and of itself. The other thing that you can do is if you deny that the body matters, um, and actually, so asceticism would, would, you know, the reason that the way that you would come to that is you would say, well, if, if spirit is good and the body is bad, then you should avoid anything having that will attach you to your body, basically, right? So the other extreme then is what we would call hedonism, okay? Uh, and this is, I think, what we ke- what we see more in First Corinthians chapter thirteen that the body doesn't matter, and so it doesn't matter what you do with your body, 
And so then you start getting into people having, uh, you know, guys sleeping with his stepmom. Well, what does it matter? You know what I'm doing with my body. Uh, Christians suing each other. Church members visiting prostitutes. In fact, First uh, Corinthians chapter six, the Apostle Paul talks about honoring God with your body. He talks about your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. People getting drunk during communion, and and basically this is the result of them saying your body doesn't matter. So hey. All the pleasure that you want in the world, your you know, your body is just gonna burn someday, it's gonna decay. And so what really matters is your spirit, and so do whatever you want. And and actually what's what's interesting is that in many church traditions who believe or think about the afterlife as a disembodied state that we're going to go to heaven when we die and this earth is going to burn, then not only do we treat our bodies that way, but we treat creation that way as well. So rather than thinking, well, God's creation really matters, that he says it's important, that it's something, then it just kind of leads us to to deny it and and either go one way or the other. Either we just use the world up or we treat it like trash. Either we use our body up with pleasure or we deny all pleasure. And, and here Paul is saying, your body is actually really important. And so it does matter what you do with your body. So it's really interesting uh, because I think either one of those extremes, I think could also lead people to live as though things like justice or addressing poverty here aren't important because it's the spiritual that really matters, right? So what we should do is, you know, if we want to get a hearing with people, then we might have to feed them, but the act of feeding them itself is not really an important thing, right? Because what matters is the spiritual, and so don't worry about the body that much, okay? But but for Paul, the body is, is, you know, what happens to the body is, is foundational, and what he says, or what he doesn't say is, is what happens here is is really what matters because this life is all we're guaranteed. And if there is life after death, well, that's just a bonus, okay? But, but for right now, let's just focus here. He actually flips that on its head and he says, no, actually our bodies are going to exist eternally in, you know, in some kind of body, spiritual body, whatever. And so it matters. And Jesus's resurrection is proof that this is not all there is. So I don't know, do you, do you kind of get the, the logic there? Well, it just seems like at the end of the chapter, he talks pretty extensively about like what's gonna happen after death and that he compares our human bodies on earth to like seeds. And when a seed dies, then it becomes what God intended it to become. And he talks mm-hmm. about the perishable versus the imperishable. And like, it seems like, you know, as as people started to talk about this resurrection thing, like there was a bogging down of like, what's it gonna mm-hmm. look like? What's this? What's that? Like, mm-hmm. how can that possibly be? And what about the like, scars? What about people who <laughs> right. are decayed or right. blew up in an explosion? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and he he just comes back around to the idea that what we see it, I mean you see it you see it other places in scripture but that idea of like what we see now is just a dim reflection of mm-hmm. what is to come. And so I think like I guess as I as I was reading this like I just I took a very different reading on like why why it was important like i didn't mm-hmm. i guess i didn't take from this that like we need to think that our bodies are going to be resurrected like mm-hmm. and i guess that's that's a different thought to me than yeah what i think i've believed so i'm not sure if that's like where you're headed or like i'm sure. i guess i'm maybe wondering like when he's talking about resurrection here i guess to me it, it seems like he's talking about spiritual resurrection versus mm-hmm. like that our bodies are not going to decay but that they're going to be resurrected and i think yeah. like the fact that jesus's body was resurrected is really important because his body was killed mm-hmm. by i mean he was martyred and his right. body was killed by religion and later on in this text it talks about how um well let's see where is it 
where oh death is your victory, where oh death is your sting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, after Jesus dies and is raised, the, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. And mm-hmm. when Jesus is killed, but then brought back, I was so, when you talked on Sunday about the temple mm-hmm. and how like Jesus became the right. temple, right? And his body became that thing. And when you were talking about like, there were three different parts, there was the outer court and the inner court and then the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. And like, I just was thinking about where it says, you know, and now in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew. There right. is neither slave nor free. Mm-hmm. There is neither male nor female, right? right? Like in Jesus, because his body was resurrected, Yep. All of us now have a temple that is totally different and free from the law and mm-hmm. free from the entire system. And if the system killed him and he didn't come back, mm-hmm. then all of our hope is in vain because we're still in that old system. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. the heartbeat of what I feel like Paul is trying to yeah. trying to say. Well, and know? that's what he and that's what he says earlier on. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is uh, useless and you are still in your sins. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously there there is something, there's a, a sort of change of status that happens because not just because Christ died, but because he was raised. Right. That he becomes the the new temple for us. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're saying exact opposite things, but but I think like when you bring up bring in the seed thing, you know, that's that's one of those things where it seems like the the Corinthians, or at least the people who who didn't believe in bodily resurrection, were trying to raise some of these objections like, oh yeah, well, you know, what about people whose bodies have been obliterated? Because it's it's pretty obvious that that Jesus sees or, or that Paul sees Jesus's body as sort of the prototype, the the first fruits. In other words, that we can look at at Jesus's body after the resurrection, and that's a, a pattern for what our body, our eternal, our resurrected body will be like, which in some ways is physical because he eats and he shows up and he lets people touch him. He still has the scars, but also it's spiritual in that he shows up in locked rooms and appears <laughs> to people seemingly out of the blue, you know, so it's a different type of thing. And at one point it seems like the, or, or he's, he's setting up this argument. Well, I can hear people say, oh yeah, well, what about this? And actually at one point he, he basically says, and I'm trying to find where it is, where he basically says, oh, don't be so foolish. Our old body, it's not like exactly the same, but it's basically your old body is the seed that is sown, but it sows to something that's, that's similar, but it's different. You don't plant the whole oak and come up with a different oak tree. You plant the, the seed and then the tree grows up as, as something, you know, different in form, but kind of has the same uh, sort of foundation or the same kind of DNA. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think there are kind of elements certainly to, to what you're saying, Brenna. I think that's, I think that's very true. Okay. So, so I guess the, the question is, and this is the question that I posed to you guys ahead of time was, what difference does it make for you in how we live? Like, so what what does it matter to you that Jesus was actually raised? Because there are some people who would say, and some people who um, would say that they're Christians as well, who would say, well, you know, what matters is not that Jesus was actually raised. What matters is that we can be inspired by the story of someone who gave his life and then raised to new life or there's life in death or, you know, something. So it's all about kind of inspiration. It's not about Jesus actually dying and being raised again, you know? So why is, why is that important for you? I think I come back to that, that verse that um, the power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. And I think, yeah, that where, where then death is your sting. If, if Jesus has defeated death and, and if he came back to life and if the power of God is so all encompassing that not even death itself can be subdued or, or can subdue it, then mm-hmm. like we have that power. And when Jesus talks about like 
what you loose on earth and what you bind in heaven. And when he, when Mm -hmm. the Holy spirit falls and, and, you know, there's not one part of science or like physics that Mm -hmm. matters Mm -hmm. when the power of God is in control, because with a word, he speaks reality. Like if that's true and that power lives in us, Mm -hmm. then like when we pray, things change. And when when God speaks, especially like if we will listen and do what we see him doing, like we can we can right wrongs that seem impossible and he can make ways where there weren't ways. And if he was just a prophet that said nice things, like Elijah was a powerful prophet, but his life didn't give me power. And like mm-hmm. the resurrection of Christ and then the Holy Spirit being brought into earth as as our participation in that changes our entire job mm-hmm. from being followers to being kingdom bringers, mm-hmm. you know. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I think there's there's obvious implications for us, especially when it comes to hope for the future, not just for ourselves, but I mean... Today is like 20 today is the 20 year anniversary of the first time I experienced death when my grandma passed away. Mm. And like that that was hard and yet she knew Jesus and as a result like that that hard memory also becomes a hopeful memory in knowing that like it's I will see her again. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the reality that I have. 20 years ago was not the last time I will ever see my grandmother like i will see her again one day in heaven mm-hmm. and i mean we as a church we've had what f- four five funerals mm-hmm. four thus far in this the last year? five months yep yeah i mean that's that's hope for our church family too that because jesus ra- was raised from the dead we have hope that we will see those members of our family and of our church family again um mm-hmm. but at the same time i really i resonate with what brenda was saying in that the fact that Jesus raised is the proof that there's nothing that's impossible mm-hmm. when God's behind it. When we pray for provision, it's not just because there's a verse in Philippians that says God's going to supply for all of our needs. It's he made that promise and he backed it up with the power mm-hmm. of Jesus raising from the dead. We don't just pray for people to be healed because James 5 tells us to. It's because James 5 is backed up with the power that Jesus defeated death and therefore nothing is impossible. So we can pray with confidence for these things. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't always happen. We're, mm-hmm. we're in that reality of here, but not yet when it comes mm-hmm. to the kingdom. But it's still possible. There, yeah. no, there's nothing that is impossible because of the resurrection. And that's that's something that gives hope. It's sometimes a, something that's a little um, scary <laughs> yeah. when you think about it and sometimes a little confusing. Like if there is this power that God has that that's living within me that raised Jesus from the dead that makes nothing impossible that that makes it hard sometimes when it feels like I'm still facing impossible things mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing um the power of God in the way that I would like to see it um but it's still a hopeful reality there mm-hmm. there is hope there I'm not just a victim of my circumstances I'm not just resigned to sitting and suffering for the rest of my life. There's hope because yeah. of the resurrection. Yeah. You know, in- inspiration can be a noble lie, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still mm-hmm. but it's still a lie, right? And when mm-hmm. you come to realize that, it's not quite so inspiring anymore, right? But mm-hmm. if it but if it's true, then there's, you know, you guys talk mm-hmm. about uh proof. Some people use the word vindication, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh like Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, you're still in your sins. Well, Okay, what is the what is the logic there? Well, if if he says that through my death uh, you can have victory over sin and death, uh, we have no way of knowing whether Jesus actually did conquer sin and death if he wasn't raised. But if he was raised, then then that's vindication. It shows that yes, he does have the power over sin and death, and then we can have confidence that when he says your sins are forgiven and you will one day overcome the power of death, then we can we can feel confident that that it will happen. Yeah. 
So I think for me, I look at the kind of the verses 22 through 34, kind of just walking through, it talks about how in Adam, all will die, but then in Christ, all will be made alive. And then he talks through about how Christ is the first fruits. And so I think it's about that life that we have in Christ and the fruit that we can bear because of the Holy Spirit in us, that life in us. And again, reminding us that he has all power. So all um, that he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. And so he holds that. And then kind of going back down to verses 33 and 34, you know, Paul's saying, do not be misled because bad company corrupts good character. And I feel like, so part of our response is he's saying, come back to, to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. So like, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like our response is living in that light. And part of that is stop sinning and kind of, that he talks about grace, you know, after he's talking um, and just that concept of grace and just understanding how it washes away our sin. And so that we can live into that life that Jesus has provided for us Mm -hmm. and ultimately has the power to, to instill in us. Which is the, the, um, the fact like that, that highlights the fact that there's nothing that's impossible because, you know, when you look at some people, we can almost get, um, discouraged or even apathetic like there's no way right. that that person could be changed there's no way that that heart could be mm-hmm. softened there's no way that that brokenness could be made whole mm-hmm. like there are some people that just seem too far gone but the power of the resurrection is that there is no one who is too far gone yeah right yeah yeah for me it it highlights i think the the radical nature of what we believe you know, because Paul is pretty adamant about this. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. In other words, mm-hmm. if Christ has not been raised, then find something better to do with your life. And in mm-hmm. fact, he says it even stronger. He says, mm-hmm. if if our hope is only for this life, in other words, mm-hmm. if Christianity is all about living a good life and kind of getting the benefits of, of living a righteous life, then we are... Um, of all people yeah. to be pitied, right? In mm-hmm. other words, it's it's not a it, it's it's not a noble thing. It's like pitied. Why? Because well, we're shown to be naive and deceived mm-hmm. for one, um, and and people should look at us and ridicule us for believing something so ridiculous. Um, but and and this is one of the things that he brings out is that part of following Jesus, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is being willing to intentionally suffer on other people's behalf. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the things that he's saying is is if we're only living for this life and there's not something after this, then why would I ever put myself through that? Mm-hmm. Why would I ever intentionally choose to suffer on behalf of someone else? You know, mm-hmm. um, and and you see this, you know, throughout Scripture. You see it in Hebrews chapter eleven, where he talks about the the faith hall of fame, and he says, "Hey, these people were faithful; they suffered, but they never received what was promised. But they continued on because they believed that there was something beyond this; that there was more to the story. There was a city that they couldn't see, you know, mm-hmm. that they were that they were hoping for." And, uh, and you certainly see other places. But, but what that does is, I, I think sometimes that has a tendency, um, uh, what's the, there was an old phrase that people used to say that when you, when you live for eternity, then you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul actually turns that around and he says, actually, if we know that our, if we know that our eternity is secure, then we don't have to put so much stock in, in w- what we receive here, that we actually can invest in other people, that we can actually sacrifice our wants and our needs for the sake of other people so that they can have what they want. And then it also gives us the opportunity then to, to share, uh, to share gospel as well, that that I think is both eternity and it's here, um, and it's also seeking justice, and it's also feeding the poor and and clothing the naked, and you know giving water to the thirsty. It it, it actually frees us up to to care more about people's bodies here, uh, because I'm not so concerned about getting pleasure and riches and and all of that um, here. So it it kind of turns it around backwards, you know, um, belief in the afterlife should not uh, sort of disconnect us from this life, but it actually should make us more connected. We can have a tendency, especially when it comes to things like Easter, to sort of disconnect it 
and just say, well, you know, this is a tradition that we have, this is a ritual that we do, or this is something that we believe, but we don't really think about how it applies to how we live here and now, or we tend to have a big disconnect between how we live right now and eternity. And and actually what I want you to see here is that Paul doesn't see them as disconnected. They're actually intimately connected that what happens in eternity definitely impacts what happens here and what happens here impacts eternity as well. And that's the, that's the bridge between, you know, when, when God who is spirit came to earth and became physical and experienced all of the things that we experienced and died in our place, took our sins upon himself, that, that, that shows that there's a very intimate connection between what is physical and what is spiritual. And I'm not going to purport to be able to understand all of it and all of the implications, but I will say that I've been alive for almost 50 years and a pastor for about 25 of that, and I'm still learning a lot. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, well, I hope that uh, those of you who are listening have enjoyed the conversation. I hope it's given you some food for thought, and I hope it's made you excited to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that you will realize that it is at work in you as well, and that you'll utilize that power. So thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great week. You've been listening to the Wake Park Church Weekly Conversations Podcast, a ministry of Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. If you like what you've heard and you don't currently have a church community, we'd love for you to join us. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at wakeparkchurch.org.